JB, I, I'm really concerned about this next interview because, you know, you, you texted me the other day and you said we're going to have a monarch on our show for the first time. I mean, that's that's incredible. But we're a football show. Like, do you remember that yeah. fact that we, we do football here? And so, mm-hmm. yeah, but, sure. so I'm sitting in I'm sitting in the throne to introduce the head coach of the King's College Monarchs. Oh, off to a three and zero start for the first My time bad. in program history. Well, Coach Nar is with us then, and uh, you know what? I'd rather have you than the Queen of England any day, Coach. Let me just tell you that right now. So at least <laughs> we we've got the right monarch here. Uh, you know, England doesn't have a king, so I couldn't go there at this point uh, right now. But, Coach, congratulations. 3-0 for the first time that uh, we can find uh, ever, pretty much, uh, for your program. And uh, catching a lot of attention across the country. I think uh, Pat Coleman and company even uh, gave you a shout-out this week on the ATN podcast. So we want to have you join us. Welcome to In the Huddle. Oh, thanks for having me. appreciate being here. So what is it? I mean, you know, you look back at all your records uh, throughout the years, and we'll run them on the screen uh, so people can see, uh, you know, the history here. But I, besides the six and four, I, you know, going a little ways back, this has not been a program that's had, let's say, a lot of success in a very tough conference. No doubt the MAC is, uh, you know, still to us one of the best uh, conferences in the country, obviously the region. Um, but I mean, what's what's leading to this kind of resurgence at the beginning of the season, and what are you doing to try to keep that alive here, uh, to not be, become kind of like a three and zero that moves to four and six at the end of the season type situation? What are you doing to make sure that doesn't happen? I mean, the the one you know, the kind of type of kids you know, we've been trying to you know recruit and, and bring into the program, um, you know, basically understand that the we is you know greater than the me, um, and that it is like the ultimate you know team sport, and um, look for our kids to. It'll be great teammates. And, and one of the things that helped that we changed a couple years ago, you know, everyone loves to wear a single digit, but we kind of, my daughter went to Temple and uh, worked for Temple football. And I got to know them when Coach Rule and them were there. You know, they had to, you had to earn a single digit to be that Temple. Um, and, the, and the kids that wore a single digit for Temple, you know, they, people knew then, you know, they were great teammates, great players, great people on campus, you know, and also solid students. So we adopted that model, uh, you know, here where our, our kids, they earn a single digit. Um, we have a sticker for the linemen that they wear, and they wear it as soon as in practice because they obviously can't wear it in a game. But people that know that they're the leaders of our of our team, and so they kind of, you know, help reinforce and develop, you know, leadership here to hold kids accountable. Because when I was at Muhlenberg and worked for Coach Donnelly, he'd always say, "Listen, we could be very good if our kids, you know, follow our lead. But if we're going to be great, we got to get our kids to 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 say the, to repeat the messages we're saying and get you know, our players to follow." You know their their teammates, our leaders here. So we've been trying to, you know, do that over the last few years. And you know, the goal we had here was to go from being, you know, rebuild the program, kind of become relevant, and then you know have sustained, you know, excellence from from that deal. And the last three years were five and five, are relevant, a play away, a game away here and there. And now, you know, so far this year, we we've done everything a little bit better, I guess, or play a little better. Or the ball bounces a little bit our way, and you know, we're off to a really good start. Well, first off, Coach, thank you for making me look good when I picked you guys to beat Lyco uh, and and Frank. Uh, didn't didn't catch on. Didn't go didn't go the right way. So I, I got an extra win in our picks uh, our picks show thanks to you guys. But you were, when you're talking about sort of changing the culture, you know, one of the things that I think we see sometimes with programs is you know just learning to overcome some of the adversity that comes across in games, and so you're not in one of those. 
oh no, here we go again. So a perfect instance, you know, you guys have a have a lead on on the Warriors. They uh, midway through the third quarter, one play, seventy six yard touchdown drive to make it a three point game. What did you say to your kids on the sidelines so that there wasn't that you know uh oh type of feeling um, that things could potentially be slipping away uh, and help you you know close out the game, which you did and, and won nineteen to thirteen. The one is like we've talked like in the past because like last year we were five and five. We kind of actually felt we were overachieved because we were so young. So a lot of those kids had experience and they've been in there. And we always constantly talk about the thing you bring to the next game. The only thing is the experience from the past games you played in those situations and how you respond and react to those situations. And then that 76-yard touchdown, that was our fault. Like we didn't check um, that we checked that we didn't check out of the coverage that we should have been in. We put ourselves in a really bad spot. And credit Lyco. You know they executed right there, so we just told her because they listen. We we didn't communicate well. We messed up. If we don't, you know, just go back to make sure we're we're you know, dotting the eyes, crossing the T's, and it will be fine. And because our kids have been, you know, they're a little more veteran. They played around. They kind of know that, believe that, and realize, you know what, this was on us. And then they didn't have that sense of panic. So up next, um, hey, we kind of call it a little bit of a gauntlet moment uh, going uh, into the MAC uh, here a little bit deeper uh, at Misericordia. And I think it was Brady Williams, uh, the quarterback uh, last year, that kind of yeah. uh, took charge uh, right before halftime and uh, never looked back in that game. And uh, he's uh, somebody to obviously watch out for at all times. And then uh, Del Val. I'm not going to ask you about Del Val because he wouldn't answer anyway right now about Del Val. We all, we all know who they are, and we all know it's two games away. So uh, we'll give you the next game only uh, discussion here. Misericordia. Scrappy team in terms of just finding ways to win. Uh, four overtimes against Lev Val Saturday. This is not the first time they've won a close game in state in games. Uh, not the first time that they've you know, taken people's low opinion of them and said, we're going to show you we're a lot better than that. How do you beat this team? How do, how do you make sure that they don't come back at you? And how do you rectify what happened last season? Well, the big thing... Um you know, it, it, here you go as your quarterback goes. And then, you know, when you know, I was you know, at Muhlenberg and learning with Coach Donnelly, you know, the thing you want to, you know, look for a quarterback is, you know, do they have leadership? But more importantly, you know, are there, is his teammates willing to follow him? And the thing you could see right, right away, which separates the, you know, good quarterbacks from the great ones, is like the team, you know, believes. Like last year and this year, you know, Mr. Cordia believes that they find a way to get the football in the in the in his hands, number 10's hands, that he's going to find a way to, to get them a win. Um, so for us, you know, we got to try to, you know, do the best we can to contain 10 because he he's dynamic. I mean, like he's the reigning offensive player of the year. He can run really well. He throws a really good ball. And then they have, you know, good supporting cast. They have both the receivers back who are, you know, all conference, you know, kids, uh, a bunch of their linemen back. You know, they did graduate a couple. The running back is back, and, and he's probably the best running back they've had. So you can't just say we're going to take 10 away because 34 could hurt you. Um, in, in the run game as well. Um, you know, so our kids just got to basically be assignment football because they do a lot of, with the read stuff with the quarterback, you know, they're trying to get you to overplay one thing or the other, and he's really good at reading it. So we got to just kind of play within our scheme, and we always talk to our kids about all you can do is your 111. Um, and last year, some of our kids tried, you know, to do, you know, two 11s, and you can't. And when you do that, you're pressing, you spire out of control, and a kid, to hit, a kid you know, as talented as, as Brady is makes you pay, and he made us pay. Uh, you know, dearly last year. 
Well, speaking of numbers, Coach, you guys have a, a number 17, Tyler Moore, a sophomore quarterback who uh, played in four games for you last year. We mentioned he had a young squad, and, and so now he's uh, you know, leading your offense, and seems like he's doing a pretty good job of it so far. Yeah, with with him coming in, the thing we really impressed, he don't know until you kind of put him in the fray, was like his ability to, to check things and, and, uh, and get us into the right play. Um, he's a calm you know, demeanor kid, which is a positive as a quarterback, but sometimes he still needs a little fire. So we were a little concerned with that, but that his calmness and his relaxed has helped him because when he even makes a bad read or that, he realizes it and he stays calm. He doesn't get, you know, all wor worked up. You know, and then he's, he's worked on his accuracy from there because he was throwing into the fray. And it was only like 40-some percent completion, which obviously is, you know, not going to get it done. But, you know, he started his first game of the year of his career starting 70%, 60%. Some, you know, from there, so he's off to a really good start of distributing the football too amongst our receivers. Um, you know, just being calm and understands our offense really, really well. And we're just impressed with some of the intangibles, um, you know, to run the offense and keep the chains moving that he's been able to do with the limited experience that he has. So I want to go back. Uh, you've mentioned him a couple times. Uh, we uh, watched the CBS uh, Sports Network uh, documentary on his uh, last days, essentially, uh, Coach Donnelly uh, from Muhlenberg. And uh, he was a special guy, Duke, as uh, they called him. I, I crossed his path when I used to call games for Union College. Probably crossed yours as well uh, back then when John yeah. Andino was coach. And, uh, you know, John has always said to me that, you know, that was a huge loss to lose – uh, Mike Donnelly, uh, you know, especially as early as we did. What did you learn from him uh, in terms of your coaching acumen, what you brought to Kings? You were there for, I think, from 1999 until uh, 2010 when you got named head coach at Kings. Uh, what did you learn from him? What do you miss most about him at this point? The thing I learned, you know, the most is, like, um, the leave no stone unturned. Like, we would, you know, meet with him, and I'd go over to game plan, and he would just ask these probing you know, questions. And he always would, you know, in the preseason, when he talked to especially young coaches, he wanted their voice and told them that he valued their opinion. But, you know, you have an idea, think it through. Don't just fire off something, like try to poke holes all at it, you know, because he was. And then by him, you know, doing that and learning that, he kind of made sure that things you went forward, he kind of checked everything and, you know, ran the test and thought about it and, and looked at it. And if this is an idea we're moving forward, you kind of feel like it's an idea that can work, you know, from there. So just his attention you know, to detail was, um, you know, it was second second to none. And then spent 11 years with him, you know, learned to kind of do that when I came here. You know, and then just how he talked about how, you know, Division three, you know, we want kids that are coming to get an education, we have that burning desire to play college football. You know, those are the kind of things. And, you know, when I went there and, and you know, as he was saying, I believed, you know, believed in that same kind of philosophy that he had. Um, so I was able to pretty much take all that, you know, stuff uh, here at, at, you know, Kings because then it became – you know, stuff that I believed in is that he taught me, you know, what it is to be a D3 football player. And, you know, the, you got to have that balance of the academics and the athletics uh, and all that. We try to apply that, you know, apply those principles, you know, here from a, you know, and then he also said, you know, you're never ready to really be a head coach to you are a head coach and you kind of see things for the first time that you had to handle it. You can all write it down and have an idea. And that was true because I'd constantly call him and, and we talk all the time, um, you know, from, from there. But just that attention to detail is the thing I learned the most. And what I missed the most is, again, you know, he had a half-hour ride to school. We live basically like, you know, eight minutes apart in the, in the city of Easton. You know, I have a little over an hour. And at least once a week, 
if you know the longest it goes like 10 days without one of us calling on a ride to or from you know school and, and just be able to talk talk things you know through all the time and then every spring we would get together you know with their staff and you know talk football and just talk you know the logistics of running a program and stuff like that it just you know i mean he was a he's my ultimate mentor and just to be able to miss calling him and, and getting answers to questions or venting you know vice versa you know that's the stuff i miss the most Speaking of uh, young coaches, and and you know, I guess I'm always the homer here, but um, as a Hobart College grad, I, you know, it was interesting to see uh, Coach Milne, um, you know, take over after the fact. And I imagine he might have been a um, you know a young assistant coach when when you worked there. Uh, what what have your thoughts been? Is, have you seen? Um, have you stayed in touch with Nate? What, what do you what do you think about the job that he's done so far in his early uh, head coaching career? Oh yeah, I'm, you know, we got to know Nate, you know, pretty well when he was at Susquehanna, and then when he went to Muhlenberg, and yeah, we still stay in touch. Again, our staff still get together. Um, you know, from there, my offensive coordinator coached at Susquehanna with with Nate. So, and then their defense coordinator Corey David, he coached here for you know for a year. So yeah, so my ties to Muhlenberg um, haven't lessened at all. You know, with the unfortunate passing of Duke, and you know, still build that relationship with Nate. I think he's doing a phenomenal job there, and kind of continuing on what. You know, Duke had built that Muhlenberg is is a team that to be reckoned with every year in the centennial, you know, in the conference. Um, and it's been still a great resource to, again, talk football, you know, with them once a year like we do or, you know, answer questions. We scrimmage them. We play them in a JV game. So we still still heavily involved with, with Muhlenberg. And, you know, I cheer for them, uh, you know, every every Saturday. Last question for you. I want to go wrap it back up uh, in terms of uh, looking at uh, Kings, but the fit of Kings in the MAC and how the MAC plays into the entire country or even the region, let's say for now. Uh, a lot of people are down on the MAC, and they used to kind of be down on your school as a you know team that kind of held it back at times uh, for whatever reason, win loss record or whatever. And that Delval was always sitting there as King and um, Albright and. Uh, like homing, we're kind of sitting there widener at times, but there were the upper echelon, there was a lower echelon, it felt like, in the MAC going on. Now that things have gotten all mixed up, and, you know, schools like Wilkes and Kings right now are sitting atop, and Misericordia is sitting right there too, now people are trying to say, well, the MAC is obviously down, but these are the same people that said, well, you had echelons going on back when. In your view, and looking at your own 3-0 start right now, how is the MAC? What what are some people maybe missing, or even validate some of their arguments if you want to? But what's your view of the MAC and how Kings fits into the MAC? How they fit in before and how they fit in now, uh, in terms of competitiveness in that conference? I, mean, I think you know from football, I think it's a great a great conference. I mean, Pennsylvania is you know one of the top five states playing high school football. Um, the majority of our you know our teams. You know, all but, you know, two of them are within the state. You can take road, everyone pretty much partakes, you know, you look up on a Saturday morning, you can get to your opponent. You know, we, we do an overnight to, you know, Stevenson when we go when we go there. Um, so I think from a regional standpoint, it's a great, you know, conference from there. And it's an extremely competitive, you know, conference. Um, I think the teams are pretty well, you know, bunched up a little bit. I mean, DelVal is on a run, you know, now where they haven't lost a conference game in a while, but, um, so there may be a little gap between them and the rest of us, but the rest of us, everyone's kind of caught each other, and that's that competitiveness. That if you don't show up and play on Saturday, you know you're you're gonna you're gonna lose. And I think that makes the strength of a conference when you know from top to bottom, you know it's not a huge surprise with the MAC that if somebody 
you know, win somebody, beat somebody that maybe the outside world, you know, shouldn't think should happen. Because again, it's it's the competitiveness is, uh, you know, the, the gap is closed tremendously that everyone can play and compete with, you know, with with everyone. And you got to come to play every every Saturday. So I, I think it's a, you know, a good conference. And for the most part, you look at on the national stage, you know, our, our champion, for the most part, is, is kind of made it to the third round more times than, than not. So, I mean, we're getting to the lead eight as our champion. And we've had two teams in the field of 32, you know, numerous times. And then um, you know, last year, I mean, Delval lost a uh, nail-biter to Muhlenberg. And where does Muhlenberg go? To the lead eight. And Hopkins goes to the final four. So, I think competitively, you know, our conference can compete, you know, with, with there. And then, you know, Division three is a unique, you know, deal. I mean, we're playing Wesley in 2007. And their one coach is telling me that, you know, the winner of this, you should see the team we got to play next. I'm like, we don't see guys that you have running around at Wesley in the Centennial Conference. And now you're telling me there's bigger and better out there, which you know, but until you see it, you just you just can't put it in perspective. Like, how good is that Wisconsin Conference with 17, 15, 17,000 students, you know, and no Division two or three schools? So, I mean, those, you know, even a school that finishes in the bottom there probably could dominate in the East. So, you know, you just kind of look at it regionally. And I think in the East, the MAC can compete with anybody in the Empire Eight, the Centennial, you know, all you know, the Liberty League, and, and it has, and, and it's represented itself well in the NJAC, uh, you know, overall from you know from that deal. And I think here at Kings, I mean, stability. This is a place that's, it's family matters here, um, and they, you know, no one uttered a word when we won four games in three years, and they just trusted and believed in you know that we were doing the right thing, and um, and saw that we kind of were, and knew it was a process, and it takes time, and. Um, you know, and then we just work real hard to, to be competitive. So I think stability helps at this level. You know, I just wanted to coach football for a living. You know, my wife makes more money than me, and I'm perfectly happy with that. She takes care of things at home, and I get to come to work every day. I love this place, and I don't yeah. even know where my resume is. Um, and I think that that plays a big part in when you can get a, you know, have a have a stable staff where the head guy's there a long time. You can build a program and be and be competitive. And, and that's, you know, um, and you can see that the Centennial at one point, I think, had guys over there. You know, 20 years, you know, there was almost the whole the whole conference from there. And in the MAC, you know, the teams that have had success over a long period of time, you know, coaches have been here, you know, a while or affiliated with the programs, you know, for, for a while. Um, you know, so that always, you know, I think helps, you know, from us. So them, you know, this being a family atmosphere, which I was looking for and it has been, been a great fit for me. And then just, you know, then it allowed to work and build it and know what it takes time. And then we've been able to build and become more competitive every year uh, over time. And, and right now we're, you know, we're off to a good start. Hopefully we can continue that. Three things I want to say uh, off shooting from that. Uh, first, uh, got to give uh, Salisbury some uh, credit for beating Oshkosh then, because uh, you're right. Uh, a lot of people thought that any Wisconsin school could come over and beat anybody in the East, and Salisbury at least held up their end of the bargain. Second, on a scale from one to ten, how upset were you that Muhlenberg was able to beat Del Val in that playoff game last year? I mean, again, I you know I root for Muhlenberg. You know, I mean, I've worked there for eleven years. I mean, Del Val's in our conference. They're playing somebody else, you know, I want our conference to do well. But, you know, when it comes down, you know, down to that, I mean, you know, outside, you know, I'm always going to, you know, root for Muhlenberg. I, mean, I spent 11 years there. I learned a lot there. Uh, I wouldn't be, you know, I'm the head coach at Kings because my, my family allows me to, to do this as a profession. But Coach Donnelly played so much in my life that I wouldn't have prepared me. You know, he prepared me along my time, my 11 years there, to be a head coach. So, you know, I have a strong allegiance to, to Muhlenberg. I knew it was going to be a great game. But, yeah, you know, yeah, I was pulling, pulling for them. Now, if Delva would have won, I would root for them the you know the next week from from that standpoint. So it's kind of it's kind of a rock and a hard place in that, that kind yeah, of deal. Really well, couldn't lose in that. 
Ma yeah, make no apologies for it. Completely understandable. I was just curious to see uh, the allegiance for that one. And the third thing I want to say is you're doing a great job. It's, it's obvious um, you, yeah. you give a very good elevator speech, uh, even to us uh, right now. That I think James and I are ready to sign up and uh, play for you, which honestly you don't want. But let's just say that very motivating. And also, we can see why Kings is right now on the map. And uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, this Misericordia game is going to be a tough one coming up. Delval after that, uh, just going to keep mumbling that through, but it's there uh, as uh, game five for you. But uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, if you guys continue to play the way you are and uh, run this gauntlet, maybe we'll get a player guest on as well uh, from Kings because uh, we love this story and uh, we'll see where it goes. So good luck to you and congratulations on the, su on the success so far this season. Uh, thank you very much for, for having me. And again, yeah, hopefully... Like I said, we take it one at a time, and hopefully if we continue on this, we'd love to be back on your show anytime you want us. Sounds great. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Thank you.